I imagine that you're already in Jonah, and so uh, let's go ahead and let's stand together, and we're going to read from Jonah chapter 2, we're going to read verses 4, and verse 9 and 10. We know that at this point, as Jonah is crying out to the Lord, he is in the belly of the big fish. Um, some of you are wondering if this is folklore or whatever. No, this is something that God, listen, if God can create us out of nothing, <laughs> ex nihilo, he can have a man swallowed and uh, have him survive for three days. Uh, what happened on the third day? He was regurgitated, thrown up. What happened with Christ on the third day? He rose. He came out of that grave. And so we see that correlation there. We have here in verse number two, it says, um, or excuse me, in verse number four, it says, So I said, I have been cast out of your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. Verse nine and ten says, But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. And the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up onto the dry land. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the confidence that we can have that this is an accurate account of what took place because, Father, this is your word. And, Lord, today may we take a moment to look in the life of Jonah and probably a good chance we will recognize ourselves at times within this man. We pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So we know that Jonah started out with a very hard heart. <clears throat> he had judged the people of Nineveh as not being worthy, according to his standard, of salvation, of, of God's salvation, of, of being spared destruction. And because of that, where he was, he ran, he fled to Tarshish. On the way there, um, the boat is overtaken by a storm. They cast him out because he says, listen, just throw me overboard and everything will be okay with you. Then the fish comes, swallows him. At this point, seaweed's wrapped around his head. He describes it here in chapter 2 and all the stuff going on. And so the question becomes, was there repentance within the heart of Jonah? Was there repentance within this man? Now, I don't know about you. Repentance is a, is a thing that takes place in the life whenever we recognize our sin, when we own our sin, when we understand that you and I are guilty of sin. Uh, as David said, in sin, my mother conceived me. It was natural for David to sin. In other words, that, that sin nature is passed on from one generation to the next. We recognize that. Uh, we understand that. Jonah here is going to talk about it. But for you and I, repentance is that ownership of what we've done. And it's not just turning from that sin. Like a lot of people say, well, well, I no longer do those things that I used to do. And you've heard me say this a lot. Some of you can't do those things you used to do it's because you're too old to do them, right? That does not equal repentance. Just because you're too old to continue in some of the ways you used to do or used to be doesn't mean that's repentance. Repentance means that I have recognized my sin and I turn away from that and I turn to God and the work of God, all right? So there's a lot of people who say, well, at least I don't do those things any longer. Doesn't matter. The real question is, have you come to a full place of repentance where you are now following Christ and doing what he has given you to do? That is true repentance. 
Repentance is not just leaving sin, it is now turning to God and living for his purpose. So let's kind of look at some of these, all right? Now, in verse 4, so Jonah says, So I have been called, I have been expelled from your sight. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. I will look again towards your holy temple. All of a sudden, Jonah is owning. Listen, I understand. I have been expelled from your sight. I, I have been cast off. I have been taken to the deeps, to the depths. He said in, in, here in this chapter, he uses the words, I have been taken to the bottom of the mountain. I, I have literally seen the bottom. And so what he's acknowledging is, I have been cast out because of my sin. But here's the good news. For those of you who are sinners, guess who that is? All of us. So wherever we are, whatever we've done, there is good news. Nevertheless, I will look again toward your holy temple. It is time to take sin, put it where it belongs, away from you, and now turn again and look towards the holy temple. For us, it's again looking towards what? The cross. We have, we have seen the work of Christ. We know the work of Christ. The propitiation for our sin. The payment. The final payment. All was taken care of by Christ on the cross. So as believers in Christ, as Christians, we are going to put sin where it belongs. And we will look again towards the cross. Towards the work of Christ. He is recognizing that he has turned himself away from God. And so God has allowed him to turn. Now he is saying, nevertheless, even though I've done this, I'm going to once again look towards God. Many of us in this room think that we are disqualified because of some sort of sin in our life. And yes, there may be things that we are disqualified from doing within the church because of our sin. However, it does not disqualify you from working for the Lord. There have been many in churches that I've pastored who have had a horrible, horrible past. But as they got older, they recognized that sin. They owned that sin. They confessed that sin. They talked openly about their past, and they used it for the glory of God. So if you're here today and you're struggling because you think that you have gone too far, you've got too much stuff going on in your life, and God would never be able to use you again, don't let Satan lie to you. Nevertheless, I will look again towards your holy temple. If you're a believer this morning and you're out of step with God, if you're a believer this morning and you are one, we, we, a lot of people like to use the word rededicate. If you know me very well, you know that I hate that word. We really need to repent. That's a better word. Even believers need to repent, need to own up, need to take, uh, take uh, ownership of what they have done. And if that is us, we need to repent and turn and look once again to the cross. And then in verse 9, we read that Jonah says, But I will sacrifice you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed I will pay, salvation is from the Lord. Now remember, at this point, Jonah has had the worst attitude ever. He is sour. He has fled from God. He doesn't want to have anything to do with what God had called him to do. And so Jonah has a very sour attitude. But now he's at a place inside the belly of this fish going, I hate this place. 
I recognize who I am. God, I will turn to you with thanksgiving. I am going to be thankful for what you have done. You have brought me low. How many of us can say that? God, I thank you that you have brought me low. I thank you that you have humbled me. I thank you that you have had me notice and take ownership of my sin. Folks, if you can't do that, then you honestly cannot sit here this morning with a voice of thanksgiving and praise God. Because if you are saved, it was not by your own. It was by the work of God. And he caused you to recognize your wretchedness. Did y'all catch that part? He, and, he caused us to recognize our wretchedness. So I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. Why is he going to sacrifice? Because he wants out of this fish. And he recognizes something. I've got to trust God with my situation, and I better come out of this thing with thanksgiving. He says, that which I have vowed I will pay. Salvation is from the Lord. God, there's nothing that I can do. I can't change the past, but I will trust you with the future. It is important that you understand that even if you are one who has turned your back on the will of God, God is still good. Y'all remember Samson? Man, Samson really messed it up, didn't he? I mean, God was using Samson to bring judgment on the people. And man, he was doing a great work. And all, these, and all of a sudden, Samson starts going the wrong direction to the point that, that he winds up uh, telling the secret of his strength, which was his hair. And they cut the hair off, and now he's bound up. They've got him chained up, and they're making fun of him. They've gouged his eyes out. He can't see. I mean, literally, he's a, they're going to they're gonna execute him. I'm sure all this stuff's going to happen. And he's like, God, I recognize why I'm here. I recognize that this is my fault, that I have gotten to the point that I've gotten. But how many of us, if we're honest, how many of us, even as believers, say, God, how can you allow this to happen to me? Lord, how could you do this? Or others say, well, the devil did it. And you know what I say about that. We give Satan way too much credit. Because you and I are pretty sorry ourselves. We don't need a whole lot of help from Satan, do we? So our mind gets going and we, we do all these different things and, and, and yet here's Samson and he goes, Lord, I recognize that this is my fault. This is where I'm at. I am here because of my choices. If you will put my hands between two pillars, I will bring judgment on these sorry Philistines. And so he asked to be taken and God saw to it. And literally his last moment of life, because he died with the rest of them, But his last moment of life, his last breath, he gave back to God. If you're here today and you have nothing but a past that is not looking good, but yet you know you're a believer, listen to me. Salvation is from the Lord. Come back to him. You will never work your way back. You can't work your way out of your past, but you can be forgiven. And God will handle it. God will take care of it because it is his salvation, not ours. By the way, that's why you can't lose your salvation, because it's not yours. How about that? It doesn't belong to you. It's his. David himself said, bring me the joy of your salvation. So we see this heart that is recognizing the sinfulness, and he says, But I will sacrifice you with the voice of thanksgiving. That which I have vowed, I will pay. Salvation is what? From the Lord. Jonah has this 
beginning of repentance. We, we recognize and we see it. By the way, just because you repent doesn't always mean that you always have the right attitude afterwards. Anybody else recognize that? Yeah. We, we're going to see a lot of ourselves in Jonah, I'm afraid. But here's what happens. <clears throat> then the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah up where? On the dry land. Boy, don't you know Jonah was thankful. Now imagine after Jonah got up, wiped himself off. Ugh. He, he did the full repentance, right? He's owned his sin. Now what's he got to do in order to, to get that repentance finished? He's got to go. He's got to be obedient. He's got to go do the work of God. So in Jonah chapter 3, we find out that Nineveh repents. In chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and proclaim to it the proclamation which I am going to tell you. So Jonah got up and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly large city, a three days walk. Now let's stop for a moment. Remember, Jonah fled because he didn't think these people were worthy of God's salvation. He didn't like these people. They were an enemy of Israel. He didn't like them. He thought, man, just go ahead and kill them all. Be done with it. What's the problem? And, and what we find actually in Jonah is that God here is reaching out to not just his people, but to what would be considered the Gentiles, those that were outside of Israel, those who are outside of God's people. We, we see this. We recognize this. So this is God's call to go out to others. And, and so as he walks into Nineveh, what do you think Satan's doing with Jonah at that point? You know you hate these people. You were right in running. But now you're back. You say, well, Brother Thomas doesn't say that in Scripture. It doesn't have to say in the Scripture for us to know the the work of the devil and, and our own selves and how our nature is bent towards evil. We learned that this morning in Sunday school. Our heart is wicked and deceitful, easily misled. Then Jonah began to go through the city one day's walk. And he cried out and said, Forty more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. Then the people of Nineveh believed in God, and they called a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. When the word reached the king of Nineveh, he got up from his throne, removed his robe from himself, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat on the dust. And he issued a proclamation, and it said, In Nineveh, by the decree of the king and his nobles, no person, animal, herd, or flock is to taste anything. They are not to eat or drink water, but every person and animal must be covered with sackcloth. And people are to call on God vehemently, and they are to turn each one from his evil way and from the violence which is in their hands. Who knows? God may turn and relent. And turn from his burning anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10 says, when God saw their deeds, they turned from their evil way. Then God relented of the disaster which he had declared he would bring on them. So he did not do it. God has done a work even with Jonah who had real really had no desire to go he was simply going out of absolute obedience I'm going to share something with you this morning that is so true and it's probably uh, somewhat true in my life probably a whole lot true in my life even today 
There are times that I do things simply out of obedience to Christ, not with the right attitude. Anybody else ever guilty of that? God, I know I've got to do it because it's what you call me to do, but I just want you to know I'm not really happy about it. This is what takes place in the life of God's people on a lot of occasions where we go in and we know what's right, we know we're supposed to do it, but we may not always have the greatest attitude. I asked the the kiddos, the youth, I should say, uh, that went on the trip, where were some of their... What did they struggle with the most? What did they not like the most about the trip? And a lot of the boys said, we didn't like the VBS part. You know, babysitting kids, doing all that stuff. That wasn't their thing. They enjoyed the painting part, but kids, yeah, that wasn't their thing. But they did it. They did it. And let me tell you what. You would have never had a clue that they did it and didn't really enjoy it because they were having fun. The kids had fun. Isn't it good to know that God can use us even when our attitude isn't right? That, which is great because a lot of us don't always have the right attitude, including this guy sitting or standing right here before you. There are a lot of times I have done things simply out of obedience, not out of joy. But I will tell you that when I, once I've done it out of obedience, God's joy shows up. Because I find out that God was right. Next week, I was going to get into it today, but I'm not going to. But next week, we're going to look at Jonah 4, the prophet gets angry. So y'all will see this title next week. Or not next week, but we'll, we'll get to it. Just trust me. Jonah, the prophet gets angry. This morning, I want you to look at this. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Some to be sure are preaching Christ even from envy and strife. But some also from goodwill. If the latter do it out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel, the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition rather than from pure motives, thinking that they are causing me distress in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. Paul knew that there were some who were out there mocking him. They were preaching the same gospel, making fun of it. But the deal is, is that once the gospel was spoken, whether it was being made fun of or not, people had heard the truth. And for that, Paul rejoiced. There are going to be days you don't feel like being a Christian. There are going to be days that you're going to get up and go, man, I really don't care. (laughs) Those are the days that you must choose obedience over how you feel. Those are the days that you must choose obedience over how you feel. You ever been woke up at four in the morning with bad news? 
and at four in the morning you're having to get dressed. My wife, she'll remember this, I'm sure, but there have been those moments where I've been woke up in the middle of the night. And she'll hear my voice. <clears throat> hello, 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 hello. Hello. Did I wake you? Oh, no, it's four in the morning. We're good. Just go ahead. You know, we're moving on. And she's like, honey, they know you're asleep. <laughs> you know? But I know that at four o'clock in the morning, it's probably not going to be good news. So you might want to hear somebody cheerful on the other end. Whether it's true or not is immaterial. When you need that voice to be strong and secure, you just sometimes just have to be that person whether you feel like it or not. If I have to go to the hospital at 4 in the morning, to the jail at 4 in the morning, to someone's house at 4 in the morning, you get up and you go, one, because you love the person that you're going to help, and two, because whether you feel like it or not, it's the call of obedience to be there for one another. Folks, there are times where you and I are going to be a lot like Jonah and we're not going to feel like doing what we're doing. But we're doing it out of the obedience to the call that Christ put on our life. I'm going to give you a simple example of this church. I'll give you two real quick. I told Toddle he needed to go home, stay home. He has an infection in his leg, and he's like, I'm going to teach my class on Thursday. I said, Toddle, are you sure you need to do that? I'm going to teach my class on Thursday. Didn't feel like it, but he did it. Why? Because he didn't want to let a whole bunch of folks down. And so he showed up. Miss Donna, when she decided to kick Woody and break her toe, um, <clears throat> She came up and found a seat in the kitchen. And she did what she could because she wanted to make sure people were fed on a Wednesday night. Neither one of them felt like being here. But they felt that they had an obligation that God had given them. And they followed through simply out of what? Obedience. Folks, there are going to be days that you do not feel like doing the right thing. Forget how you feel and remember the call to obedience. And if we will follow that, God can even use our wrong attitude to do something great. Amen? Paul said, even though they're preaching out of selfish ambition, at least the gospel is being shared. Because the gospel is not about the person giving it. It's about the power that is within the gospel itself just be faithful just be faithful father i thank you that you have called us to be faithful even when we don't feel like it god you have called us to be obedient even if it hurts to be obedient when we're uncomfortable be obedient when we're challenged, to be obedient when we're hurt. So, Father, sometimes our attitude's not going to be what it should be. And I thank you, Lord, that you can use us anyway. You're not using us. You're using the power of what's being said.
gospel. You're using us as the hands and feet to just be there for someone, even when maybe we don't feel like it. Lord God, use us, change us, and fix what's broken within us so that with thanksgiving, we will do what we've promised. And for those of us who are running, may we turn and look to the cross. We pray this in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen. Let's stand together.